This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 257, with Todd Dextheimer. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host, Inside the Dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at how a high school teacher became a full-time real estate investor using the pillars of wealth creation. My guest in this episode is Todd Dexheimer. Todd, with Venture D Properties, focuses on multifamily syndication, specializing in purchasing value-add apartment buildings in emerging markets. Since 2008, Todd has flipped over 150 properties, including a mobile home park and apartment building. Todd talks openly about what it takes to run a successful business and become financially free. He also talks about the mistakes that he made and the lessons he learned and how you can avoid the same pitfalls. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja to 44222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. Are you interested in real estate investing but don't know where to start? Join Ops Properties is the premier provider of turnkey lease option investment properties. With their proven system, you can have cash flow within 30 days. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, excited to have you on and connecting. Can you please share a little bit uh, about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you the short and then uh, if you want to expand on anything, great. Um, so basically, I'll start from, I started out as a high school industrial tech teacher. So I was teaching like wood tech and metals and that kind of stuff. And then I think almost from the start, I was I was saying, what am I going to do when I grow up? And, uh, and I started reading books and, and just really getting interested. My wife actually took a job in the Twin Cities. We were living... Um, about an hour or so away. And so I, I was reading a lot and got into real estate and business books and really thought, wow, this is something I want to do. The timing was perfect because it was 2008. The market just crashed. And I was too naive to, to realize really what had happened, uh, where everybody was scared running the opposite way. I was looking at it and going, Holy cow, I mean, I can buy a house or duplex for 60 grand and rent the thing out for 1500 bucks a month. I mean, geez, the numbers make so much sense. So it, it was really good timing for me. So I got into real estate that way. I started buying small properties, one to four unit properties. Um, and then eventually, you know, gained a pretty good portfolio, uh, did a lot of flips along the way. As I basically, 
I, I hit transitions, right? So I started out uh, buying rentals. That's what I wanted to do. And I hit a spot where I couldn't buy any more rentals. So I had to start flipping. So then I started flipping houses to buy more rentals and continued on like that. Um, I had a business partner at one time and, and him and I had flipped about 150 properties um, and bought a bunch of rentals. So currently right now where I'm at is I, I still own a lot of the rentals I bought during the, the downturn. I own, I don't know, like 50-ish of those units still. And now what I'm doing is focusing on multifamily. So I'm focusing on multifamily syndication, uh, mid-sized properties. So I'm trying, my niche is like that 75 to maybe 150 unit building. Uh, I'll buy a little smaller and I'll definitely buy bigger, but that's kind of my niche just because of where the competition level is. And I think there's a lot of good opportunity in, in that. Um, and I, I'm investing out of state as well. So I am investing in markets that uh, have good potential for um, economic improvement, basically. So quote unquote emerging markets. So that's, that's where I'm at today. I'm a multifamily syndicator in emerging markets, value add properties. Um, so we're doing uh, renovations and, and uh, management plays in order to increase values. And then we keep them and hold them for, you know, five to eight years or, or potentially longer, depending on what happens with the market. We never know. Right. Exactly. Now, there's a lot of listeners uh, listening to you right now, and they might find themselves in a similar situation. So it's quite inspirational. You had a, a, a job, you were teaching, yeah. uh, you were investing in yourself while you were having it, taking small steps. And then eventually this grew and grew and, and you ended up scaling. And this is your, this is what you're doing right now, full time. And, and this is your life. Now you went, the first thing that you said is I started reading books. I started studying. I started educating myself, uh, which is just, I mean, it's, it's just fan fantastic because that's, that's the playbook, right? And then you started small. You started with uh, smaller deals, especially compared to what you're, what you're doing right now. Uh, share with my listeners a little bit some of the first deals that you did. This was during a time, as you mentioned, you didn't realize what you were walking into. Yeah. Um, and um, just some of the, the things that you learned uh, during those first deals, taking that leap uh, and uh, jumping into real estate investing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's important, like you said, I, I studied this on my own and decided this is the path I'm going to go. And for me, once I decide something, that's what I do. And so I think that's important for people that are listening to, you've got to figure out if you're going to decide to do something, if you're going to start studying it, do it. And I think that's where the most people get caught up as they start to study, 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 study. And eventually they burn out because they took way too long in their study and, and they actually never hit that start button. Um, so, I'll take you through kind of the first couple of deals. Like you said, they or we said they were small deals, single family, um, duplex type deals. Um, they, the numbers just made so much sense. It was so easy to look at them. Like I said, I think the first deal was a $65,000 purchase. I put another 20000 into it. And so I'm all in at like $85,000 what somewhere around there and i rented it for 1400 bucks a month you know when i bought that in our own personal name my wife and i had 
about twenty five or so thousand dollars um, to invest, and we used pretty much all that money to invest in that deal. Um, I actually did another deal right at that same time, actually two more deals. Uh, the other deal was uh, I bought our, our own personal house that was a foreclosure that we needed to do a big renovation on. Um, so we bought that through like a two or three K loan, I think it was. So we were able to get into it for like five grand or, or less. Uh, but we had to do a big rehab on that. And then the next one I did was also was a flip. Um, and so the flip property was with a partner. Um, we found a private lender, private lender, put all the money down and, uh, we did the flip, which ended up turning out to be a flop. Uh, learned a lot. I made like a thousand bucks and spent probably, you know, a t- oh, I spent a ton of time. So I made like a dollar an hour. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> if that, if that. So, so yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of the starting point. Um, and then from there I was able to just continue to buy about as many properties as I physically could buy. Uh, well, well, first of all, I, I used all my money, right? So, and I didn't make any money in the flip. So what I ended up doing is I wanted to keep buying rentals and I swore off flips. So I, I ended up refinancing that single family house, even though the market was going straight down, I was able to refinance that house and I was able to refinance it for like 95 or a hundred thousand dollars. And I only had 80, 85 into it. So I was actually able to get all my money back plus another, you know, let's say 10 grand or so. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I was able to get a decent amount back, which then allowed me to do my next deal. And I did the same thing. And did that several times until eventually I ran out of being able to finance and uh, had to had to go back to flipping. And then and then from there, I would flip one house and, and buy a re- or flip probably two or three houses and buy a rental and continue there. So, yeah, I just wanted to point out because um, one of the things that uh, questions I had in my mind as you were sharing your story and and talking um, is running out of money, right? Because yeah. you start. And then you invest and it's, you, you look at it and you go, well, I fit, I kind of figured stuff out. I, I bumped my head on that, on that flip and made a couple yeah. of mistakes along the road, but I'm gaining experience and I'm confident now that I can do this, but now I'm out of money. So what did I, what did I do? And wanted to point out to our listeners too that you talk about the flipping, but the flipping was kind of almost like the separate business that allowed you to invest in real estate. So you yep. kind of combine that. You, that wasn't what you're, just what you were doing. That enabled you to purchase more more real estate. You mentioned also a two um, a 203K loan. Yep. Uh, some of my listeners might not be familiar with that, and I don't think anybody's spoken about it on the show before. Can you share a little bit more about that and what that is? Yeah, I'll share a little bit of my knowledge on that because I that was back in 2008 that I did. Okay. And I okay. haven't touched it since. Okay. Okay. So the knowledge at that time, what a 203K loan is, it's an FHA product where you can go in at three and a half percent down and that's three and a half percent down of the purchase price plus the renovation price. So you're taking all those and then you're getting a construction draw. So as work gets done, you know, inspector comes in, signs off and then draws, sends that draw to the contractor. 
Now it worked out really well for me because I worked for a contractor in the summers. Gotcha. So the contractor got the draws, but the employee of the contractor did all the work to the house. Right. So it worked out really well for, for my situation. I was able to get a lot more work done than what normally you'd be able to get done for that amount. So it really worked out well. Um, and at the time, I was willing to do that work, uh, especially when you're first starting. I mean, I, I just I was going to do anything to get in the game. Um, and now I know there's other products still. It's the 203K, and I think they've got like a 203K, you know, A or whatever. They've got other products. So there's more products. So anybody who's interested in doing that type of thing, buying a beat up house and doing the renovation, thinking you need a ton of money for it. If you're going to owner occupy it, there's a lot of good products out there that can help you get into it for a lot cheaper. I would, I would go talk to mortgage uh, broker about that. So. Yeah, and I think the big takeaway here for me is too, uh, and this will be for our listeners out there, is you got to get creative, guys. You, you absolutely have to get creative. And yeah. uh, problem solving as an investor and a business person, I mean, that is a skill set that is you have to have that. So, and get creative while you're problem solving. So, regardless what the vehicle is or what the loan is or wherever you are in the world, we have listeners all over the world that they might not have that particular, you know, even mortgage. Get creative of, and utilize what you have and figure out how to incorporate it to get you off the ground. Because, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you got to do whatever it takes. Uh, to, yeah. to get off the ground and, and staying on that, doing whatever it takes, you were wor- working full time and also working in the summers, building up these connections with a contractor, which came in handy for you. And then all these projects going on at the same time, what are some of the things that you did um, that enabled you to do this and some of the success, uh, success stories that you, you can share around that? Well, yeah, I, I would say it's exactly what you just said. I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons for success was being creative, right? And and making sure my attitude was, this is what I'm going to do. It wasn't that this is what I would like to do. And if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, eh, oh, well, no, it's for me, when I do something, I do it. And so for me, it was, this is what I'm doing 100%. And I'm going to make it work and I'm going to need, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. That's legal, of course, um, legal, ethical, and moral. Um, so, so that's what, what I, you know, what I did and, and it's being creative. It's figuring out how to get the financing for it. I figured out how to, you know, get private lenders into it. I joined up with a business partner to make sure we could get, you know, a lot of deals done and, and, uh, and continue down that path. I, so at the time you could only have four mortgages in your personal name for a short time there. That's all they would allow. Well, for someone like me, at least I I don't, I don't know the whole rule, but um, so I could only get four. So what I ended up doing is I teamed up with a few other people that put mortgages in their personal name and I split profits with them. I I ran the whole deal. Um, I went, I called 200 plus banks. back in like 2009 or 10 to try to get financing because I was running out of financing options and everybody was telling me you can't get financing. I had so many banks that told me you're crazy 
because this is 2000, you know, nine, 10, the, the world ended. Right. And, and these banks were going, Oh, we can't give you financing. You know, that's, that's why we're, we're in this trouble because of people like you, you know, and I'd hear it over and over again. And, but I, I didn't want to take no for an answer. It wasn't what I was wanting to hear. So I just kept on calling banks and I ended up getting, you know, a, a handful of banks that would finance it with terms that I could agree upon and, you know, get these deals done. It got creative. I mean, very creative. I found a, a few banks that were willing to be creative with me. So, um, yeah, to, to, to your point, that's, I think, probably the most or one, one of the most important things is being creative and, and understanding what your goals are and not letting things hold that back from happening. You're listening to Todd Dexheimer on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Todd Dexheimer on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. So true. And knowing exactly where you want to go, because I think that's, you know, uh, putting the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse or whichever way you want to put it, you have to understand what your goals are, uh, what you're working towards um, and know how to get there. Um, And then obviously be relentless and get creative uh, in doing that. Now, from an investing standpoint, now you're getting it off the ground, you're scaling it, you're flipping and using some of the money to invest. And obviously, you've learned a lot during that period. Um, What is sort of your philosophical approach now to investing, looking for properties? And is there a checklist that you draw from, from your experience and lessons that you've learned uh, on your journey when you now look at projects in the multifamily space? So I've shifted now from the the single family, the one to four unit, into multi-unit and larger multi. I call it mid-size, but properties that are big enough to where if you lose, you know, a few tenants, you're not going to go bankrupt. And that's one of the reasons why I did that is because when I looked at my portfolio, well, first of all, I had a business partner, like I mentioned, and, and we split up because we had you know, different paths uh, we needed to go on. And when we did that, I looked at what, what I was doing. I looked at the flips and I looked at the, the rentals and I figured out that the cash flow the returns on my investment on the cash flow was actually better than my flips because of how I was able to do things. I was able to add value to these buildings. I was able to refinance, pull a good portion, if not all of my money out of these buildings. And then I was having monthly monthly cash flow. And the returns on investment by far were better on the, the rentals. And then you're, I'm looking at the wealth that I'm building. Um, it, it just it made way too much sense to to go down the rental route and to say bye to the, to the flipping because the flipping is a big distraction. Um, 
So, so yeah, so then I went the rental route and then I decided, okay, I, I can see the inefficiencies in the one to four unit. Um, so I want to go bigger and I can see how hard it's going to be for me to get to my goal if I stay one to four family. So that, that's why I went to the, you know, the 75 plus unit properties it was because of the efficiencies. So what am I looking for in a building? Uh, our, our company buys B and C class assets with value add. So something that we, we look for buildings that have deficiencies, whether it's physical deficiencies, needing new kitchens and baths and stuff like that, or whether it's just um, deficiencies in, in the operations and management, you know, really low rents, really poor management, um, you know, uh, quote unquote abusive managers. I mean, there's plenty out there that don't take care of their tenants and that's what you're looking for. If you can go online to the reviews and they've all got, they've got ones and twos, that's a, probably a good property to look at behind. Um, so, so that's what we're, we're kind of focused on. As far as markets, we're looking for emerging markets, what we consider emerging markets. And that's really difficult right now because the economy is doing really well. So there's a lot of markets that look really good. So we've dwindled that down to, we want markets that are looking really good, but haven't necessarily looked good since day one when things started picking up. So they're a little bit behind. Those are the markets we prefer. And then the other thing that we prefer is markets that actually show opportunity. Uh, because like my hometown, Minneapolis, um, there things are looking really good. Economy's good. Um, you know, jobs are here. We've got good diversity. Rents are going up, but there's no opportunity. And there's a very limited opportunity to buy uh, an apartment building, fix it up, and then sell it you know, five years down the road, I just don't see a lot of profit there. Um, there's just not a lot of distress. So that's what we're looking for is other markets that do have distress and have opportunity. You know, some of the things that we're looking at is we want to make sure, are these things fixable and do they make sense to fix? So we, the worst thing you want to do is buy a building where it needs a, a new roof, new windows, has a foundation issue, um, you know, things like that, but it doesn't help your bottom line at all. You need to fix them, but it, you're, you can't raise your rent because you put a new roof on your tenants don't care about a new roof. You know, you can't raise rent. You can raise rent a little bit for windows, but not a ton. You can't raise rent if you put in, you know, uh, fix a foundation wall. So we look for things that, that have to be fixed that are more cosmetic versus that are physical. You got to look out for those things. Um, I bought a building, a 15 unit in St. Paul, and it had some cosmetic things that needed to be done. But overall, that was decent. It needed a new roof. It needed tuck pointing. It needed um, plumbing, electrical, stuff like that. And it was a money sucker. I did okay on the building. I made money. But boy, I mean, it had, it was built in 1888 and it just had problems. I mean, the plumbing was rotten and nasty and you didn't even realize it. What you could see was one thing, but what's behind the walls is another thing. So we look out for old buildings. And if we're going to buy an old building, we make sure that we count a hundred percent. We got to replace all of the plumbing. We got to replace all the electrical, um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, 
that's that's I think the biggest thing is what we look out for is we want cosmetic repairs, not big physical repairs. Now we're entering uh, 2018, a lot of exciting stuff ahead uh, this year. Uh, any big goals that you have for 2018? And what are you excited about? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. The, you know, the, the multifamily market is in kind of a precarious position, I think. Uh, but I'm still excited for the opportunity to purchase buildings. Um, so I'll expand on that because I just <laughs> mentioned, um, you know, multifamily is, is typically known as a pretty stable asset type. However, we've seen prices increase now since 2009, 10, uh, maybe, maybe a little later, 11, 11, 12, depending on the market you're in. So we've yeah. seen a pretty good run up and, and, a, and a very fast expansion. And so you've got to be really careful when you're buying multifamily that you understand where we are in the market cycle. Now, I don't have a crystal ball, so I'm not going to tell you that it's going to crash tomorrow. Uh, it, it, it could still be. And if you look at historically, it should still be years from now uh, before it crashes. However, you've got to realize that we're not at the bottom right now. And so that's, you know, when, when I look at properties, I'm looking diligently at the historicals of the property versus where we're at today and where I think we're going to be at the future. Um, and if you can base it on more of historical, where's the vacancy rate been historically? Where have the rents been historically? How do they increase historically? Uh, I, you're going to have a lot better chance at a good asset. So uh, we're really conservative on our approach, uh, but we're really still excited about this market and think there's a lot of good opportunity. So in 2018, our goal is to, to acquire about 800 units. Um, which would be our best year if we are able to do that. Uh, we're looking at syndicating all of those. Um, I've been you know, doing a lot of networking and just trying to build up that investor list. Uh, we've got a good track record of what we've done. So, you know, hopefully we can continue to grow that side of the business. Um, and I also have my podcast and I just started that uh, just a few months ago and I'm looking to increase and grow the podcast as well. The audience uh, bringing great guests uh, like you and, and others. So uh, grow that as well. So those are the two main things, grow the podcast, continue, you know, bringing great content um, and then, you know, grow the multifamily syndication. Fantastic. And one habit I've uh, learned from and seen from wealthy and successful f people is that they're always studying new subjects and yeah. learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and, and what are you currently learning? Yeah. So right now I've been focusing on uh, reading books that deal more with, uh, there's, there's two main things I'm looking at uh, on the books that I'm reading. One, one is more of on the mindset and making sure that what, what I'm, when I'm receiving, you know, I'm, I am actually able to, I guess, re receive it properly. Uh, the main thing. So, so how's my mindset? Where am I, where's my focus? And then the other thing that I'm trying to study a lot on is the systems. How do I become more efficient at what I do? How do we become, you know, better prepared for opportunities in the future? And so I've read books. I, I just finished the E-Myth. I never read that one before. thought it was a great book. Um, I've got uh, Start With The Why uh, that I just started reading. Simon Sinek. Yeah, I've got um, 
a lot, just a lot of great books that I've kind of been studying and learning. I've got How to Win Friends and Influence People. I, I finished that one just recently as well. So I've got a lot of great books on my bookshelf. I could just name off a ton of names. <laughs> I'm looking forward to digging into those. I, I've been trying to focus on, on reading uh, more. You know, at least I, my, my goal is to read at least a half an hour a day. Uh, I don't always do that. Um, but that's, that's kind of my, been my goal is to, is to do the half an hour a day minimum. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a hundred things, right, that you could you could say. And I hope as I've got two young kids, I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And, and that's, you know, one of my passions is to be able to pass, you know, that mindset, that belief down to them to where they can be successful. So I think that's a great question. Um, I would say that, you know, if, if you want to be successful, that you need to always be learning and studying and always be learning and studying not only what you want to do, but also the, the philosophy and the mindset. And I'll always be growing. I would say the other thing is consistency and persistence. Um, be persistent and be consistent. And I think that's very easy to be distracted from is your, your consistency. A lot of people will start something and they, they won't finish it. Um, so that would be a, another thing. Definitely. Oh boy. And then a third thing, you're really stretching my brain here. Figure out, I, I guess, figure out your why, you know, figure out what, what you really want to do uh, and what's going to make you happy. Right. For my, my kind of thing is, every day is a Saturday, right? And so what's going to make every day be a Saturday to you? And so it's not just about money, right? You don't need to have a ton of money to be happy. So what, what is your why? What's going to make you happy? And then with that, you know, make sure your business follows your why. And then once you start getting employees, you need to find out their why and, and create that business around, you know, everything, your why, their why, all of that. So um, find out your, figure out your why. What, what is that? What are you trying to achieve? What makes you tick? What makes you happy? And uh, what makes you want to grow and, and get up every single day? Now, Todd, where can my listeners uh, learn more about you? Uh, where can they reach out to you, listen to your podcast and uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can go onto my webpage. It's venture. D as in Dexheimer, properties.com. So it's venturedproperties.com. They can also go to pillars of wealth creation.com. So my, my podcast is called Pillars of Wealth Creation and it's on iTunes and SoundCloud and all those other uh, places. Um, and they can also, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, whatever, but send me a message if you're going to reach out to me. Don't just try to connect with me because I, I like to know who's connecting. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean that, that's probably the best way, uh, webpage or, uh, or, or LinkedIn, Facebook. 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. I've had a blast connecting with you uh, and best of luck for 2018. Yeah, absolutely. MC. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining my guest, Todd Dexheimer and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life. So if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good Newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 442. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to create passive income and become financially free. In just over three years, they've created a lease option empire with over 170 properties. They can show you how to do the same. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. You can also check them out on YouTube. Just search Join Ops Properties or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.